Thank you, Pastor Sue, just for bringing in the anointing. If you feel the presence of the Lord, it's because He's here. He wants to do something today, and it's just going to continue on through the message and the ministry. At the end, God's just confirming so much. Um, But I want to read this Psalms to you, and it's in Psalms 122, because I feel like this offering time just needs to be a celebration, because we are so blessed Um, We have been blessed with a family that loves and supports, and look at all those gifts that we get to go and give to these children. Um, But in Psalms 122, a lot of times we hear this very first line, and then we don't hear the rest. It's, I I was glad when they said, right, to come to the house of the Lord, but I'm going to read this to you, and every time you hear Jerusalem, think the church. Okay, so think the church. Yes, Jerusalem is blessed by God, but we are in the new covenant and we take part of that blessing. So it says, it made me glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. Jerusalem, we are standing inside your gates. Jerusalem, what a strong and beautiful city you are. Every tribe of the Lord obeys him and comes to you to praise his name. This is the house we're in. This is the house we're in, that people come to experience the presence of the Lord, and you take part in that when you're giving and you're serving. So this is just so beautiful. Every tribe of the Lord obeys him and comes to you to praise his name. David's royal throne is here where justice rules. That is Jesus. That is the presence of Jesus, David's royal throne. Jerusalem, we pray that you will live in peace and that All will go well for those who love you, for those who love the church, for those who support the church, for those who are a part of what God's doing on earth, right? That everything is going to go well for you. You don't have to worry about being a part of the mess out there. You are secure in his kingdom. And we have got this amazing promise, and it's so exciting. Can you tell I'm excited? (laughs) May there be peace inside your city walls and in your palaces, in your homes. (laughs) Because of my friends and my relatives, I will pray for peace. And because of the house of the Lord your God, I will work for your good. We are so blessed that we get to be a part of this family. We're so blessed that we get to be a part of this kingdom. And God is saying, I'm on your side. I've given you this covenant. And I am for you. I'm not against you. So everything we're going through is being worked for your good. It might look like you're at risk of losing your job. No, God's taking you to another place. He's got a new direction. He's got something better and higher if we trust him. Amen? Amen. So I'm just so thankful that we get to partner in God's kingdom when we give. Man, we are so blessed by you that we can give these little children these gifts this Saturday. I think back about 30 years ago when we were giving these gifts to little boys that were probably this big, right? And now in Walmart three months ago, I hear, is that you, Pastor Mary? Is that you, Miss Mary? You know, now he's a 30-year-old man, but that these memories never go away. This gift of love stays with these kids forever. So thank you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for this family that loves so well. Thank you that we can be a part of your kingdom, that your covenant with us is so much greater than anything we can give to you. 
So thank you, God, for this family. Thank you that we are together at work for the good of those who love God, that we can bless your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So thank you for giving. You can give online. You can give in an envelope, whatever you decide to do. Before we get started today, I want to pray just for a few of our um, family um, and just agree with me. Father, I just bless Ollie. I pray, God, for this little boy that his healing would come this morning as he's going to the doctor, that you would heal his little body. I pray for Finney, God, for continued healing in his lungs, that this brand new newborn baby would be healed, that he would have fresh breath from heaven operating in his body that he, so that he would be able to go home. I pray for Mindy, God, that her heart and her body would be whole in Jesus' name, that she would be home with her family and that she would re have renewed strength in her lungs. We come against any kind of sickness and disease in her body. In Jesus' name, we pray for Case. God, this little baby struggling with RSV and an ear infection, we just pray health and healing in his body in Jesus' name. Rest for his parents and encourage them, God, as they see their little one God um, healed in Jesus name and lastly father we pray for Vicki God that this cancer would have to go by the blood in the name of Jesus that she will be back here with us strong whole and healthy praising and worshiping with her husband God we just speak life to her bones life to her body in Jesus name amen amen there's power in our agreement prayer amen thank you for doing that um I have a word today, and I just feel like God is already confirming it with just what's been said and what's been sung, and it won't be a long word. Um, I had a direction a couple times, and I even talked to David. He was going to bring the shofar. We were going to talk about the horn of salvation, and, and the Lord said, but you need to get this first. <laughs> so it's a word for me, and it's a word that I'm, I'm really listening to the Lord for, but I believe it's for you too. And I felt that this morning that there are some of you in here that have experienced experienced a stalling silence because you've not believed what he has for you. I can feel the anointing on it. And I know it's a word for me too, but you have not believed what he has for you. And you've experienced this stalling silence. Like every time you try to move, it's like, I can't move. Every time you try to do it, it's like, oh, it's not working. Every time you try to step out, there's something quieting you, right? And it's because God has spoken a word over you. Your destiny belongs to him. And he will do what he says he will do in your life. But we have to believe. He and only he wants to be the influence over you. And he's going to cut off every other voice in your life. Amen. He will put a guard on your mouth so that it is only his words that will be spoken. And this is his work of mercy to establish his promise over your life. This is his work of mercy. We think that we're messing up. We think that we're stalling. We think we're fighting the enemy. No, God said, you're not ready yet because my word is not in your mouth. You're not ready to walk in my promise because you don't believe me yet. And God wants us to agree with him before he can do the great work in our life. So this morning, we're going to examine the account of Zechariah. Now, Zechariah is a book in the Old Testament, but Zechariah is also the name of John the Baptist. 
So we're talking about the New Testament Zechariah, and it's part of the Christmas story. So I entitled it, Believe. He was the father of John the Baptist, and John the Baptist was the prophet who came before Jesus. He was his cousin. He came before Jesus, and the Bible said, in the spirit of Elijah, he was the forerunner. He was prophesied that he would come to announce the arrival of the Messiah. Zechariah and um, Elizabeth, his wife, had to birth John. There had to be a birthing of the promise. There had to be a birthing of the promise. They had to raise John as a boy, right? There, there was that process, that whole process that had to happen. And there are those in here who need to birth something. And guys, because me and Adrian had a conversation about this, you need to father something. You need to father something. Oversee, care for, nurture. You need to build up, strengthen something. Amen? God has a purpose and a plan with your destiny. It is crucial that you do this. And there's a struggle that is happening right now in this moment, in this time, in this atmosphere. And we're having a hard time believing that God is going to use us. Like, why would you use me? Right? I'm just a girl and I haven't done this and I haven't done that. Maybe your arguments are different, but they're valid. Right? Zachariah's arguments were valid and we're going to hear that in a moment. But God can use you and we have to believe it. God is saying that he will take you from unbelief to belief, from barrenness to living in the promise, from empty to full. And that's what this is saying today. This word is going to encourage you today. So in Luke 1, we're going to start there in verse 5. This is the story of Zechariah. And it says, when Herod was king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and I don't know if I'm saying that right, and he had a wife of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. So this was a priestly couple, They were members of the Jewish community that, because of their lineage, you were born into the priesthood. They were to serve at the temple. So their whole life revolved around this. They probably didn't live in Jerusalem, but they lived as they should be called to Jerusalem in any moment. So they centered their life around this priestly service. We meet them when they were older. They had no children, so they probably had this social stigma right? Because back then, if you didn't have children, something was wrong with you. You probably did something wrong, right? Like people would look at you and say, well, you weren't blessed by God because you didn't have kids. So so they probably had this social stigma. And they most likely at that age probably just stopped praying about it, right? You know the prayer that you don't even pray anymore? I think we probably all have one, right? We just don't pray it anymore. (sighs) Those promises that you're like, well, I guess I missed it. 
I guess I was just thinking, you know, too hard, or maybe I wasn't ready, or maybe I messed up too much. God can't, can't do it now. I messed up. I messed my time, right? We all have these things. So they go to Jerusalem to perform their um, priestly duty of burning incense in the Holy of Holies. And I will say it was only Zechariah. <laughs> but some scholars say that it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You only did that once. You, you prepared your whole life to be a priest, to serve in the temple, and you got one shot. <laughs> one time. In the Holy of Holies. And the, I'm talking about the place where some of you have heard me talk about this, where they tie a rope around your ankle as you go in so that if you die, if you had sin in your life and you die, they just pull you out. <laughs> because it's such a holy place that you can't go in unless you're a priest, unless you've prepared for your whole, play, the whole life. So no doubt Leviticus 10 was on his mind, and there's a story there if you want to read it, is Nadab and Abihu are sons of Aaron, and they were in the Holy of Holies, and they offered up the wrong kind of fire, and immediately they were punished, and they were consumed by the fire, and they died. So this was probably on Zachariah's mind, like, oh my gosh, I'm going in here, and I'm a little nervous about it, right? So in Luke 1, 8 through 12, it says, Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. So they could have been praying that he didn't die, <laughs> right? But they were more like, most likely praying that they would be freed from the Roman occupation. They were most likely praying for God's presence again. So let's continue reading. It says, Now an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense, and Zechariah was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. Now, he probably thought that right then and there he was going to die, right? Like, he's in the Holy of Holies, and an angel shows up. He's like, oh, yeah, this is it. <laughs> but before we go any further, I want to give you a little bit more context. The nation of Israel, like I said, was under Roman occupation, meaning the Romans had come in, they were allowed to stay there, but they weren't in charge. They had puppet, you know, politicians, so it looked like they were in charge. They were allowed to worship, but they were really, they were really under the control of the Romans. But this is the, this is the main thing we need to hear. The Old Testament scriptures promised a Messiah who would deliver the nation from bondage, but it had been 400 years since they heard anything from the Lord. 400 years. No words. No angels showing up. No prophets. Right? 400 years before, since God had, set, had, since God had talked. He'd been silent. It wasn't since the book of Malachi, the prophet, that the last that the nation heard from God. And we're going to read those last two scriptures of the Old Testament because it's, I think it's very significant. These are the last two scriptures in the Old Testament. It says, Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and strike the land with complete destruction." 
So this was the last word that the Israel nation had gotten. And Zechariah knew this scripture. The priests knew the word. They would memorize it. They knew what was the last word from God. They were waiting for this prophet. They were waiting for the prophet of Elijah. Now they knew that Elijah had already come. They didn't know if he was going to reappear, you know, be resurrected and appear, or if it was going to be somebody like him. But in the holy place, he hears this from this angel. In verse 13 in Luke 1, it says, Your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he shall drink no wine or strong drink, meaning he knew what that meant, he mean, he, meaning that he was to live like a Nazarite. He, would, he was to live set apart, sanctified for the Lord's work. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Here it is. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So he's in the Holy of Holies. He's in the Holy of Holies, the closest you could get to the presence of God. And Zechariah becomes the first person to hear from the Lord in 400 years. Wow. Right? He's standing there. Can you imagine what's going on in his body and in his mind, right? The angel tells him, what was spoken in Malachi is happening in your life with your son, who you haven't had yet, who you guys are too old to have, right? You, this is your promise. But he just couldn't believe it. He stood there and he couldn't believe it. And he began to argue the facts with the angel. And he asks for a sign. Look what it says in verse 18. Zacharias said to the angel, how will I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. <laughs> so he begins to explain to the angel why it wouldn't work, wow. right? Like this isn't going to work, you know. Wow. The angel says, I am Gabriel Come on. who stands in the presence of God, in another, another part says, I stand right next to God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things come to pass, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Zechariah received this good news, but he didn't believe it. He didn't believe it. He was spoken to first. He broke the famine of God's voice, right? <laughs> After the 400 years, he was given the personal gift of a son. I mean, he was... It was a blessing in his personal life, right, for his wife. He was promised that his son John would come in the spirit of Elijah as a forerunner to the Messiah. 
They were waiting for the Messiah, that the whole nation was praying for them, but he didn't believe it. And I would venture to say that each and every one of us in here has this ridiculous promise floating around in our mind right now. <laughs> this ridiculous promise that we dare not believe from God, right? What is it? What has God spoken to you that is so hard to fathom, so hard to believe? And why do we do this? Because it breaks God's heart. It breaks his heart that I've said this, I've told them, I'm ready to act, I'm ready to move. But he has to have our agreement. He has to have our belief. He hates our unbelief. Charles Spurgeon, in 1855, he wrote this sermon, and I read the whole thing, but this quote was so powerful that I have to read it to you. And if you want to take a picture of it on the screen and read it over and over again. But he said in 1855, he said, unbelief, you see, has the cane mark upon its forehead. God hates it. God has dealt hard blows upon it. And God will ultimately crush it. Unbelief dishonors God. Every other crime touches God's territory, but unbelief aims a blow at his divinity, impeaches his veracity, denies his goodness, blasphemes his attributes, maligns his character. Therefore, God of all things hates first and chiefly unbelief wherever it is wherever it is. Even if we have all the proof in the world that this is not going to work, who are we? Who are we to speak against what God has said? God needed to take Zechariah from the place of unbelief to agreement and then to obedience and then he was going to empower him to live the promise of God. Because he still had to raise John, right? He still had to go be a father to that little boy and teach him who he was in Christ. So we have to get these stages of belief down, and we have to get it down quick, because God has a promise for us. And he asked for a sign, and God has his own plan. He said, oh, I'll give you a sign, all right. <laughs> He said, my sign is that you will be unable to speak. And later on in verse 62, you can look at it later, he says, we see that we, he probably was deaf as well because they made signs to him to see what he would call his son at birth. And teachers say that this was so, he couldn't speak negative words over his promise, and that could be, that could be very well true that he was forced into silence to only commune with the voice of the Lord the word of the Lord, and in the presence of the Lord. But God wanted his agreement to be his only influencer in a world of influencers, right? We only need God to influence us. The only voice we hear, the only thing we say is his word. Everything else we have to silence. Everything else. It would be difficult and a rare thing to be gripped and moved deeply by the whisper of God 
in a noisy room. Think about that. I'm going to say that one more time. It would be difficult and a rare thing to be gripped and moved deeply by the whisper of God in a noisy room. We have to quiet the noise. We have to quiet the noise, and sometimes it's not always other people. Sometimes it's our own emotions. Sometimes it's our own insecurities. But we have to quiet ourselves before the Lord. David knew this silence. This shepherd boy, this shepherd boy that was such a brave young man that he could go up against Goliath. Why? Because he was silent in the wilderness for so many years going against bears, going against lions, in the cave, right, when Saul was trying to kill him. He had moments of silence and solitude before the Lord. In Psalms 46.10, he says, be still and know that I'm God. Be still, be silent, be solitude and know that I'm God. That's where the knowing takes place. It takes place in the quiet, in the trust, in the agreement with his word says, then I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. Oh, to be still, quiet, and silently wait before a God that I can trust. Before a God that I can trust. Like, I can't make sense of this. I don't know. I can't figure this out, but I know one thing. I can trust you. I can trust you, God. I wrote, I will offer no words of my flesh, and I will not lend an ear to foolishness. Because sometimes our own mouth speaks foolishness. And we can't hear ourselves speak foolishness. It's better to be quiet. It's better to zip your lips, right, moms? (laughs) Zip it. Anybody else in here get the flick in the mouth? My mom used to do that to me all the time. I remember I did it to my kids, and they were like, thought I abused them or something. They're like, Mom, I'm bleeding. I'm like, yeah, you're bleeding. Come here. <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about. When, they, when those boys turn 12 and they try to square up on you, it's like, what did you just do? <laughs> hmm, exactly, you know. But in Psalms 141.3, it says, Set a guard, Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Let me not speak against the promises of my life. Psalms 85.8, I will hear what God the Lord will say. For he will speak peace to his people, to his godly ones. And may they not turn back to foolishness. We will only listen to the promises of God on our lives and we will, not turn our, we will turn our back to the foolishness that you're not enough, that God will never use you, that you don't deserve it, that you messed up too many times, that you're too old, whatever it is, that's foolishness. What God has said, and we have to guard our ears. Zechariah needed this time to agree with what God had spoken over him. And I will suggest that we also need silence and solitude before the Lord when we are struggling in unbelief. Remember what your mom said, if you can't say anything nice, (laughs) right, don't say anything at all. And God said to Zechariah, if you can't say anything in unbelief, don't say anything at all. 
It is God's mercy to silence us when we see our circumstances as greater than his word over them. And we must shut everything else off and agree with his word. So we see agreement is the first stage of belief. So nine months later, it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby. And she gave birth to John the Baptist. And at the child's circumcision, the neighbors started to call the child Zachariah, right? Because he was his only son. He was going to be named after his father. But Elizabeth was trying to explain that, no, his name's not Zachariah. He's not Zachariah. But the women didn't name the sons. And so they started signing to Zachariah, what is your son's name going to be? And he grabbed a tablet. It says he asked for a tablet, and he wrote as follows. His name is John. And they were all amazed. The moment Zechariah obeyed the word of the Lord by naming his son John, it was fulfilled in his life. He became the forerunner to the Messiah, in the spirit and the power of Elijah, turning the hearts of the children to the fathers and the fathers to the children. Zechariah's obedience released the promise. When we obey, the promise is released over our lives. This means that we have responsibility in the promise, right? Zechariah had to obey the Lord and name his son John. We can't just sit around and wait for God to do it. God has given a promise, but he's also given us instructions. And after we agree with the promise, we have to obey the instructions of the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 3, 9, it says that we are God's fellow workers. We are co-laborers with Christ. That means that we're involved. He just is not going to come and do everything that he said over our lives. We actually work with God to establish his promise in our life. And we have responsibility to obey him in order to see the promise fulfilled in our life. So what is waiting for your obedience? Do you have to take that class? Do you, do you have to structure your life in a certain way so you have time to obey? Do you have to, do you have to mend that relationship? What is it in your life that is waiting for your obedience? Because the promise of God is right behind that. The promise of God is right there. And when we take that tablet, right, like John, and we say, his name is John. No, I'm going to obey the word of the Lord over my life. Now his promise comes in. And it is established. We have a responsibility, and it is obedience. In Luke 1, 64, and this is right after that happened, it said, and at once his mouth was opened and his tongue freed and he began speaking the praise of God. So Zechariah, we see, is no longer questioning God, but he's praising him. And John is still a baby, but he's convinced of the promise. He's like, you gave me this child for a purpose and a reason, and I'm going to obey every single detail. <laughs> he's in agreement. He's in obedience. And now God is beginning to reveal all those details. 
don't we want all the details before the agreement? Like, God, I need you to um, tell me what this entails so that I can say if I'm going to agree with it or not. (laughs) Right? Because I have this plan, and I kind of see my future this way. And, you know, this is what I want. This is what I'm good at. You know, all this. I I need to see your details. Let's talk. And God's like, no. You have to agree with me first. And then you have to obey me first. And then you get the details. Because what? I'm God and you're not, right? God wants our obedience and our agreement before the details. The good news is, is that we not only get the details after we are agreement and after we obey, but we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the details. We're empowered then. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit. In Luke 167, It says, and his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying. Now remember, this was before, this was before the upper room. This was before Jesus, right? This is before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This was a gift. This was a gift to Zechariah. And Zechariah becomes the very first prophet to publicly speak or sing the word of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Look at what he says. He said, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. And I'm talking about in the New Testament. Did you get that? Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. Zechariah, and it goes on, and I could read the whole thing, but I don't need to because this is the point. Zechariah was able to prophesy Jesus, salvation over his nation, over his people, because he was in agreement with the word. He obeyed the word, and now he began to release the details. He released Jesus to a whole nation that was waiting for their Messiah because of Zechariah's obedience. He was empowered to prophesy God's message and the promise of Jesus, the first one in 400 years Now I'm closing now. And I really feel this morning like the Holy Spirit wants to empower us, empower you to release the promise of Jesus over your life. The Holy Spirit wants to pour out his promise over us. He wants to pour out the empowerment that it takes to do the details, right? To agree with him, to obey him, and then walk out what he has promised you. This process wasn't easy. Zechariah had huge promises, but he had to come into agreement and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I'm going to ask, um, Ashley's going to pray for, with us, right? You're going to pray with us. Pastor Sue, if you would pray too. But I'd like for you all to stand up. Thank you. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us this morning. Melissa, would you come and just share that word of what you saw in, in worship? Because I believe it's a word for us in here right now. <laughs> so when Ashley was telling us that we needed to be like children, we needed to go back to that place where we're just like little children and we come to the Lord. I saw a picture in my spirit of this big swimming pool and we're all splashing and playing and just having a great time and 
Everybody was so free and having so much fun. And the scripture tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we need that strength. And we can only find that through Christ. And in that freedom and in that splashing around, we were receiving that strength. And I thank you, Lord, for that. Another thing that I saw when she was singing, um, she went to a really high place. And I felt like there was waves of the Holy Spirit were washing over every one of us. Just waves of the anointing that were setting us free, that were washing us clean, that were making us new. It was like it was like we were being baptized again and that we were having a new beginning in him and that God was putting in us the faith that we need to stand and do what he's called us to do. Not by our might, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, says the Lord. And when Pastor was preaching about the trust thing, I think that's exactly what's going on. He's teaching us how to be obedient right now. When he says turn left, we turn left without a thought in our mind. Because we know that that's what he wants and needs from us. In order to accomplish the dreams and the vision and the plan and the purpose that he's put in into our lives. That we need to lay before him and hear what direction he wants us to go. And our discernment, our spirit man will tell us when we're making a wrong turn and we will correct it immediately. And I just want to pray that god would give us the ears to hear what the holy spirit is saying and eyes to see in the higher place the higher ground like the eagles he he has us in those higher places in worship so that we can see we can see out there his his way the way he sees us that we wouldn't be compromised by the insecurities that we feel or oh I can't do that no we can't do that in our own strength we're only empowered to do that because he lives inside of us and and the resurrection power the same resurrection power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of us but in order for us to tap into that We need to lay before him and hear what the Holy Spirit is saying and be in his presence and let him break off those things that are on us or in us or coming at us that the enemy tries to trip us up with. We need to hear and and be in his presence and walk in his perfect will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if that's you this morning, I want to give an opportunity to, you don't have to take weeks. You don't have to take months. You can agree right now with what the word of the Lord is over your life. You can obey right now. You can move. You can say, his name is John. I agree with what the word says over my life. And you can make a move this morning to be filled with the spirit. And so that's what I feel like God wants to do this morning. David, if you and Melissa would come up and pray, Pastor Sue, Adrian, um, we want to just give an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to move in your life. So come and um, 
be prayed for as we close in worship.